Welcome to Bravery Trek Run Ashore, a podcast for Bravery Trust in partnership with Content Group. Welcome to another episode of Run Ashore, the podcast that follows this year's route for the Bravery Trust fundraiser, Bravery Trek. I'm Mark Cooper, and thank you for joining me. Well, we're well into learning about 12 locations that are significant to the Royal Australian Navy in Sydney Harbour. Today, we're joined by Commanding Officer Michael Nipperes, who help us to better understand the history and the significance of HMAS Penguin. Michael, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks very much. Very happy to be here. Yeah. Uh, so, Michael, can you tell us a bit about your um, your career in the Navy? Yeah, no problem. So, um, I joined the Navy. I'm a bit of a an old salt, I suppose they call me this day and age. I joined the Navy in June 1985 as a general, general entry sailor. And I completed my recruit school training. And then I went in, into category training as a quartermaster gunner, which is a QMG. And I, my first ship was HMAS Stalwart. And so I'm pleased to note that there is a new stalwart um, up and about running around because it's a bit sad when you look back at those days when you joined and there's no more ships that you've served on still in commissions. But anyway, so I, I served on HMAS uh, Hobart, HMAS Trebrook, HMAS Newcastle. I did two stints on HMAS Newcastle, once as a petty officer and then as a chief petty officer. Uh, then I joined uh, HMAS Canberra, commissioning crew on her. Um and uh, that was really exciting. And then I did a couple of stints in Sea Training Group, who do all the training at sea for all the operational units, which is basically I did four and a half years there at Toll. Shore, shore establishments, um, I've done HMAS Cerberus, Penguin, Albatross, Cutable, Creswell, Waterhen, Watson, uh, Ranwick Barracks in the Army side of things. I, I was the Navy representative in the uh, Army side in Force Preparation Company. I was the company sergeant major, so which was rather interesting, a chief doing that job uh, from the Army side. Uh, I progressed through the ranks to Warrant Officer Boson and applied for commission in 2010. Very lucky to uh, be accepted as the officer side of things as, as a Warrant Officer entry scheme. Uh, I posted to Watson as a, a junior warfare officer manager and then I was selected as the dock officer and then first lieutenant in new ship Canberra, promoted to lieutenant commander in January of 13. And um, and then I took on, the, as I said already, the first lieutenant's role on Canberra when she joined the fleet. So you're doing sort of two jobs there. Um, that was probably one of the top jobs I've ever done in my career. So, uh, and actually Admiral Smith, the Deputy Chief of Navy said to me when he first joined that I took him around the ship, the for, for about a week or so, he commented that I had the best job in the RAN, and I totally agree with him. I, I come three years on Canberra, and I joined Sea Training Group as the Fleet Seamanship Officer for two years, and then I took on the role as the officer in charge of the Boson Faculty in Cerberus in 2018. Uh, November 18, I was uh, selected to take up the role as Executive Officer HMAS Cuttable and promoted to Commander. December 2020, uh, 20, I assumed the duties as Deputy Commander Shore Force, and in November 21, I um, assumed the command as commanding officer HMAS Penguin, which is probably, without a doubt, the 
the pinnacle of my career. And that's that's just uh, just past 37 years in our service. Oh, congratulations, Michael. That's oh. an, an amazing career. And to go from being a you know another ranked seaman all the way through into then becoming an officer, and that's an incredible journey that you've had. Yes, oh, without a doubt. And, and I probably don't realise how much it is until other people say to me, that's exactly what you just said. And I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't even, you know. Just love the job, you know. Um, it's it's just quite fantastic. But uh, but the, one of the most important part, which I think we forget about at time, is is my personal, uh, my wife, my family, and friends who support me to allow me to do what I've been do- doing for the last thirty seven years. They're the people that um, keep us going and you know safe at home to allow us to go to sea and do our job and uh, defend our country as required type thing. And I, I've got two daughters who are mid twenties who live at home because why wouldn't you? And then uh, enjoy um, swimming, walking, and um, I'm a keen uh, Brisbane Broncos and Collingwood Magpies and a San Francisco 49ers fan. So that's pretty much my life. <laughs> well, I'm a Manly Seagulls fan, but I tend to keep quiet about that. Cause... <laughs> yeah. It's not a good time. <laughs> no, the club's struggling at the moment. But anyway, oh, moving yeah. on. Yep. Yes. Uh, nothing to see here. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that uh, story. And, and I just to reiterate, I completely agree you know, we, we always celebrate people who are in defence and defence personnel, but a huge part of the success of, of our defence force, of course, is family and those that, that are there to look after the family. And, uh, and that's a massive part of, uh, you know, making making it successful. And, of course, the community as well. It's I think sometimes people forget that defence is just part of our nation and our national capability, and it really is... Uh, you know, it's a fundamental part to Australia as a nation. Uh, I totally agree. And and when you talk about community from where we are here at Balmoral Mossman, the community, uh, I got reminded every time when I took over command here because the army used to be down um, here, the training support and all that sort of things, they've all moved out. And I get reminded all the time that we are the only defence establishment uh, left at Middlehead. I did an Anzac Day speech and I honed in on the locals and I was actually horrified in the Mossman area itself, 1,500 men, young men and middle-aged and older men went to World War One, and only 500 returned of that 1,500. It was, and, and uh, it was quite, I didn't realise how steeped in the military they are here at Mossman. Oh, yes. Well, such a beautiful suburb, Mossman. And, of course, oh. where you are there, located on the south head of Balmoral Beach, I've had many lovely, you know, walks along the, 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 the foreshore there and lunches. and. Yes, yeah. It's it, And you know what? I, I try and walk that every day in summer, get down on the beach there and, and walk up. It's it's just, you can't go wrong. It's, it is a beautiful spot. Yes. So for the benefit of our listeners, uh, Michael, and some who may not be so familiar with Sydney, can you tell us a bit more about where the base is is located and the size of the base? Yes, certainly can. So Penguin is nestled in the suburb of Balmoral on Middlehead on the lower north shore of Sydney Harbour. Our base is surrounded by beaches and parklands and is within 30 minutes drive to the city centre. We currently have around 372 personnel serving at Penguin, although this, um, this varies depending on the number of personnel we have under training. So through the year, we, we're looking at between four and a half, five thousand people um, progressing just with their training through the base on top of the 370 odd we have uh, like instructors and 
personnel posted here permanently. And we're, we're on uh, approximately 17 and a half hectares or over 43 acres of land here sitting on the hillside, you might say. Yes, yeah. And uh, Michael, can you tell us a bit about the, the history of HMAS Penguin? So Middlehead region has been the site of ongoing military presence with the aim of defending of Sydney Harbour since 1801. Following Federation in 1901, the defence of Sydney became a Commonwealth responsibility. In 1903, the key strategic locations recognised in meeting this objective were George's Heights, which is just up the road from us and part of uh, Middlehead, and both Middle and South Heads. It was all set up from then. In 1923, the government leased 59 acres of land to the Mossman Council for construction of the Mossman Golf Course and recreational areas. After some 15 years or so, the locals are um, hitting birdies, pars and bogeys and the odd shank and hook. The government gave the locals four days notice to move off the land and take it back. So that apparently didn't go down very well at all with the locals, but uh, it is what it is. In 1941, construction of HMAS Penguin commences, including sleeping accommodation for 700 members, administration and support offices, specialist training areas, recreational facilities, and the Balmoral Naval Hospital. This hospital served as recuperation and rehabilitation centre for returning servicemen and women. Additionally, the hospital provided medical care and surgical treatment until it was closed in 2008. And that was when it moved into um, uh, St. Vincent's Hospital in there. They took up yes. a whole floor in there from that side of things, which was a sad loss for here uh, at Penguin. On the 14th of July, 1942, Penguin was commissioned with the first commanding officer, Captain E.C. Dusty Rhodes. From 1941 until 1983, the Royal Australian Navy operated a torpedo range at Taylor's Point in Pitwater. It's, it's called the Pitwater Annex now, uh, where they tested and evaluated the effectiveness of torpedoes before issuing them to submarines. A total of 5,059 torpedoes were fired from this location. That's, that's an amazing number. Um, in 1983, the centre was renovated and converted for the dive community. Uh, today, it forms part of the annex of HMAS Penguin, utilised mainly by the ADF Dive School and a lot of uh, external uh, resident uh, external units as well. Army, Air Force come and use the site as well. Uh, in 1949 until 1967, Penguin was the home base for the Royal Royal Navy's 4th Submarine Squadron and provided anti-submarine warfare training to the RAN and New Zealand Navy personnel. They eventually relocated to HMAS Platypus in North Sydney due to uh, Penguin being too exposed. So when we get a northeasterly through there, the swell comes through and it's, it's quite, um, it gets rather lumpy in the bay, you might say and at the wharf there so uh, yes. we have numerous training facilities and capabilities that come and gone over the years including ship damage control uh, naval police coxswain training naval hospital military detention center radio transmission station seamanship school uh, chef training school clearance diving team two navy cadets warfare training and the royal australian uh, navy band here as well uh, Penguin continues to be at the forefront in training Navy and personnel and plays a significant role in enhancing defence capability, which includes training and support for initial employment skills, career advancement and leadership development. Uh, uh, we also now have the uh, state-of-the-art weapons training simulator where ADF personnel are 
can uh, qualify on uh, various weapons from the pistol through to the heavy machine gun from that. And at the moment, we've probably processed 1,500 people already this year through that training. So it's quite yeah. amazing. So, um, yeah, so that's the little bit of the history, mate. Yeah. So the name itself, Penguin, uh, do you know what the history or the significance of the name is, Michael? Um, so actually, Penguins, this is about the fourth base called Penguin. HMS Cuttable was actually called Penguin before um, the incident uh, with the sinking of HMS Cuttable, the, the um, yes. accommodation ship. So it was called Penguin. And then when the, the sinking of Cuttable, that's when it got its name changed to HMS Cuttable. Um, and you mentioned about the firing of the torpedoes. So were they all being fired um, from a training point of view or were they ever fired in anger? No, no, all from a training side of things. And I think a serviceability to check that that everything was functioning. So obviously no warheads or anything like that on there. They're just they were yes. up there just doing all the testing of it. That was all. And then once they certified that, then they became back and, you know, obviously um, and then the warhead gets fitted once they got back to wherever they were, um, they did that side of things, which I think was out at Orchard Hills up that way because they okay. used to transport all the ammunition down the waterways from Newington. So they put them on big barges and ship them down into Sydney Harbour where we used to a number of years ago. That's where we did all the ammunition uh, and the Man of War boys at just off Garden Island there. Oh, Fascinating. Um, and so you've spoken a little bit about uh, what happens on the base, uh, Michael. Perhaps could you just sort of expand on on that a bit more and, and what's happening out there now? Yeah, yeah. So as I say, and the, we've got the weapon simulator in there now. We, we're just in a really good location for the ships to come over. And, the, you know, we have them coming over by landing craft, boats, because it's easy to hop in, in the boat and come from the ship over here, go in the simulator, get yourself qualified, then get back on the, the boat and zip back around to your ship uh, other than driving over putting up with that traffic through the, the lovely sydney traffic sort of thing so um <laughs> we've also got the uh, adf dive school which provides training for for our response to any underwater threat ship repair ordnance disposal this includes initial category training intermediate and advanced dive courses diving officers co courses and explosive ordnance disposal additionally the adf dive school trains personnel from all categories as ships divers subsequently providing organic dive capabilities for our fleet units this ensures they are able to identify and rectify underwater damage to a certain extent while the ship on on deployment so pretty much uh you have your ships ships divers team and yes. and if you're lucky enough to have a, a clearance diver posted the ship but everyone else is a volunteer and they come over here and do the three-week course to qualify them, then they go back to the ships as a ship's diver, not actually a clearance diver. So that's a one of the little elements that the ships run at the moment. Uh, we've also got to support the diving, we have the submarine and underwater medicine unit, provides dedicated underwater medicine service in support of diving training and submarine and underwater operations. So they're your subject matter expert for everything underwater. We've also, as part of the diving, we've got the recompression chamber facility is operated both specialised by CMU staff, the, the medicine team, and the dive school. They have a, a team down there of engineers that also support that side of things. And obviously, the recompression chamber is critical. Um, and we've got these little portable ones. So when they go out to do some diving, they'll generally load a, a, a single man portable recompression chamber on the pack, depending what they're doing, on the back of the dive launch. 
and they'll go out and um, and do the training in that. And that's just there in case. And they'll always have a underwater medical specialist with them whenever they're doing diving. That's one of the requirements. Uh, we've also got the RAN Medical School, which provides training and support, delivering a mix of advanced and remote uh, locality first aid courses, training in underwater medicine and professional development for medical personnel across the ADF. The school also prepares personnel for dealing with emergency management for severe trauma and pre-workup uh, training for ships and fleet units. So once again, people that aren't actually medical get trained a uh, two or three week course, get trained in that initial first aid uh, in-depth side of things. So look, thank you. I, I think it's just wonderful for our listeners to hear you know, about HMAS Penguin. Of course, for those that are familiar with its location, it's got an amazing uh, you know, view out over, over Middle Harbour and, um, and a lovely place to, to work. And so, um, look, Michael, thank you for your time today. It was really great to hear a bit more about the base. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks very much. I really do appreciate um, any chance to talk up Penguin. <laughs> right. Um, well, I've certainly learned a lot about HMS Penguin, and, and I'm sure that our listeners have as well. Um, if you've enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the series on your favourite podcast streaming platform. There are more episodes that are available that follow the journey for this year's trek. But for the moment, please keep working on those kilometres, and bye for now. You've been listening to Bravery Trek Run Ashore. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest episodes.